the track. You know how we do it, man. Oh, boy, CDP, see the phenol. Hey, you. Card and beat the card. Uh, 
Alabama's own Deontay Wilder's fighting tonight. Divisional playoffs later on today. So we're just going to jump right into it. We're going to jump into the daily devotional. And today's devotional comes from 2 Corinthians 8, 1 and 5. Now, brethren, we wish to make you make known to you the grace of God, which has given in the churches of Macedonia. Now, brethren, I want you to hear this again. Now, brethren, we wish to make you make known to you the grace of God, which has been given in the churches of Macedonia. In elementary school, we learn how to subtract, take away. You have less than when you started. Contrary to the laws of mathematics, God tells us when we give, we'll receive even more in return. Give, and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap of good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. In return. God's design for giving requires that we depend on his revelation, not our own reason. Logic tells us to check the bank account before deciding how much to offer. The Bible, however, states that all wealth belongs to the Lord and we're to give back to him the first fruits of our labor. When we obey, we trust him to provide and care for us. But sometimes that means we choose to ignore what makes sense, humanly speaking. God doesn't always provide in the manner we expect or hope. Instead, he satisfies our needs and blesses in a way he knows will be truly best for us. When facing financial hardship, we can be tempted to justify hoarding our resources. But God, understanding the situation perfectly, requires us to give not simply out of our surplus, but out of our needs. The Macedonian church, for example, gave generously even when they were experiencing affliction. This was pleasing to the Lord because they were giving in faith. So ask God what he'd like you to give him. Pray for the courage to obey, then eagerly await his blessings. That's a good one right there. <laughs> I like that one. But before we go any further, man, <laughs> that's a good one, dude. That, that was a good one for me. Kind of need to hear that. But, you know, some big news coming out. I mean, everybody knows that Alabama won their 11th national championship, officially 11, you know, not 16 like people like to claim and all this good stuff, 11. And also that last Saturday, <laughs> another team won their 12th national championship, um, North Dakota State, and that's also five in a row for them. So big ups to the two winners of the two big divisions in college football national champions. Um, just very, very excited. Divisional playoffs coming about here in the next few hours. Um, I mean, again, Deontay Wilder, he he puts his WBC heavyweight championship on the line at the Barclays Center tonight. Uh, that's live, 10, 10 p.m. On, on Showtime. I mean, so many great fights coming up. Return of David Hay. 
Terrence Crawford is, is finally stepping up to the big time, fighting a big time fight in in, in February. Um, end of this month is John Pascal and and uh, Sergey Kovalev. You know, on the thirty first and on the thirtieth. I'm sorry. So just just a lot of fun just about to happen in combat sports. Not only in combat sports, the NBA is about to heat up. You know, it's close to all star, close to all star break. In the NBA, close to all star breaking in NHL. And you got some big college basketball matchups tonight. The game I'll be looking, I'll be watching tonight. And yes, I, I will admit, I will be watching this tonight is Duke Syracuse. So, um, a lot of great things going on. We're going to take a quick session break. We're going to be right back. We're going to put a cap on the college football season. And then we're going to jump into a little bit of recruiting also. So, we're going to take a quick session break. We'll be right back. Oh, yeah. We out here. Oh, yeah. One mile, one mile. One mile, one mile. Get them up, up. Oh, yeah. CMG, 2 a.m. crew. What's good? Ben Nation, I see y'all. New York. We out here doing our thing. It just don't stop, right? Not for us. Everything I've been chasing after Me and Kyle hit the sky like we was falling backwards Went from killing time and climbing down the ladder To coming up with that real, that's my natural hazard Word, we those young men with those sharp minds Going all in, it's no part time And we taking that cause it's our time Same drive with that new gas And that's old school, just new class Cameras out like newsflash And we hit the sky with that new cash Words. And I've been running for days Ever since I broke up out of the cage Been up in the way like par fives We drive them insane And I leave no trace on the place I fade away till I made a way clean Got the whole world on the case But no matter what you won't stop my team I'm moving through the city Busy riding deep Getting stronger by the day They weaker by the week Competition gets outworked So it works out fine And every single minute we in it We break limits from 10 miles out You can see us shine We're good Perfection, trying to manifest these blessings Told them live it to the max So I ain't never feeling less than Then these haters trying to question Will he make it? Is he destined? I told you I'm the truth A living walking confession I ain't lying, I ain't boasting I'm just striving, I'm just hoping That I'll find an opportunity And that a door will open So I never pay attention When they tell me that I'm chosen Cause I know I'm far from famous Even though they know I'm blowing up Took a while, but they know 
always cow when I'm rolling up. People doubt, always ask me how, but I'm sure enough that I'll be the greatest that my town has ever seen. Be the one to pick them up when they're down like a towing truck. Working, yeah, I'm working, put my team on, that's for certain. I swear that's the naked truth, tied in behind those shower curtains. I managed to keep it clean, making music without cursing. Now I'm entering the system, watch me do it like a surgeon, that's for certain. searching for this truth here. Kids, I love it for what it is, I hate it for what it's not. I'm no ass 
no, no, back, no, at us not, we not them, no. With the lights on my own, I set the stage, through the balance of the stones, I get away. I could get away, if I'm not what I'm gonna say. Yeah. I could get away. I ain't on time, I could get away. I ain't on to get away. Uh, new fellas ain't rockin' me. Same bitch just dropping in, uh, why you sound like that to them? Well, can't be the better jacket then, through the lights on my own. I get away. New bike, new stage, new life, new game, new price, same vision, new hype. If I can get away. At these crib. If I can get away. Like a villain on a get, get away. away. See the pedal break. Welcome back to the Press Box and the Tailgate Crew. My name is Jermaine. Thanks for being a part of the show. We're just going to jump right into it, man. You've got to give it up to the Clemson Tigers and the, and, and the Alabama Clemson Tide and also the Auburn Tigers. <laughs> and I got to throw Auburn in there somewhere. But, I mean, Clemson, five points and 12 seconds short, all it was. I mean, and one gamble was the difference in this in this matchup. Even all the way across the board, I mean, it it was so – this game was so good. It was so back and forth. I was even talking with a big-time Alabama fan, one of one of my closest friends, and he's, he told me the same thing that a lot of people have been saying. Alabama don't want to play Clemson again, at least, at least until Deshaun Watson decides he wants to go to the draft. <laughs> I'm looking at the stats for this game. 550 total yards for Clemson, 473 for Alabama. Time of possession was pretty much even. I mean, Alabama had more to possession than than Clemson did. One turnover was the difference. One turnover was the difference. The interception that Deshaun Watson threw, but the way that Deshaun Watson played, he made himself a legend. He he he's given himself legendary status, not only in the ACC, but but in college football as a whole. And congratulations to him. Also, he also won the Manning Trophy um, that was announced on Thursday. So, just a really good time for for Deshaun Watson. Um, getting back to stats, thirty or forty-seven for four or five. I mean, touchdowns all over the board. He had he had almost eighty yard. He had over eighty yards rushing in the game, also. So, I mean, just putting a cap around this. Alabama, <laughs> it's a great team, great great squad. Big ups to Nick Saban winning his fifth national championship. Um, those Alabama fans who won't be quiet, the T-shirt fans who won't be quiet, you know, congratulations to you too. I mean, jump on the bandwagon when you want to. But to those true Alabama fans, thanks for being true football fans and being 
great, great ambassadors for the sport of college football. And to those Clemson fans out there who are quiet, raise up because this team ain't going nowhere no time soon. Um, going to lose a lot of players this season. Mackenzie Alexander's leaving. Shaq Lawson is, is leaving. Shaq Lawson's leaving. I mean, you got so much going on in, in, in regards to to players leaving and le- going and leaving. But, you know, Alabama Alabama's also losing some players, but some, some, some key players are coming back. And also – you know, you lose your you lose your anchor on defense, uh, Reggie Ragland. But I mean, and and you lose Derrick Henry. But the way that Jacob Coker played in this game, I mean, he he embodies what Nick Saban wants as a quarterback. He wants somebody with grit. He wants somebody who's going to take over, who's going to be a game manager and manage the game. That's what Jacob Coker did, and then you then you got to see O.J. Howard exploit the spots where Mackenzie Alexander was missing when he went out of the game. So, I mean, this game was so evenly matched all the way through that even with an 11-point lead, you didn't think that that lead was safe. And and as you saw in the last the last few moments of that game. Even though it was an 11-point lead and even though Clemson went down the field and scored that quickly and they couldn't get the onside kick back, you always thought that that Clemson had a chance to win that game. And, I mean, you had a chance to think that Clemson had a chance to win that game when they got, if they got the ball back. So, um, just a, one gamble, <laughs> one gamble on an onside kick, and I'm, and I'm just totally floored by it. Um, I mean, it seems at least one at least one championship game. I mean, Saban's gonna pull something out of the hat that you that you don't see that that you that you don't see coming. So, um, that being said, it's gonna be a fun time. And then, you know, of course, all the All Star games going going on. The Semper Fidelis All Star game came about um, last last week. Um, the U.S. Army um, game was on TV last week. Had a number of great, had a number of commitments. Michigan game, game three guys. Jacob Eason played in that game. Felipe France played in that game. Shea Patterson, um, who's enrolled at Ole Miss. Felipe France, who's enrolled at at uh, Florida. Jacob Eason, who's enrolled at at Georgia now. I mean, along with Fatum Bowser, who is joining him in the summer. Um, you know, it is so awesome to see those commits come in. Also, we got to see a kid by the name of KJ Costello, um, who was a Stanford commit and also an Elite 11 quarterback, um, play, playing this game, and was that good. He was that good. Um, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of good future coming about um, a lot of good future players playing in this game and really excited to see the next crop of people, the next crop of guys that are coming in, you know, so signing day is going to be a lot of fun on February 3rd. And I'll be sure to probably uh, take a day off and just watch and just watch signing day. Joking. I'm so joking about that. Got to work though. Got to make that money. But <laughs> 
Um, jumping back and moving on to other things. You now we put a cap on on the college football season as a whole. You know, surprises. No surprise. A lot of surprises here. Clemson being a team that a lot of people thought what Wilter like they did um, a few years ago under Todd Boyd. Um, I mean, Iowa going 12-0 and uh, in the regular season. Houston coming in and, and just going 12-1 and and doing the things that they did. Stanford, Stanford finishing number three. Christian McCaffrey breaking out the way he did. Um, Cody Kessler, you know, I, I I have to send a special shout out to Cody Kessler because for a kid who's had five different defensive offensive coordinators, three different head coaches, he's persevered, you know, third most passing yards in, in school history, third most passing touchdowns in school history, leads with the best completion percentage among all the quarterbacks ever. And just the way that he plays, this the way that he plays, college football is going to miss a kid like him. He's a proven leader. He's a proven proven guy. Um, hopefully somebody takes a chance on him at the next level. Of course, you know they'll take a chance on him at the next level. It's the same thing with Jacob Coker. I hope somebody takes a chance on him also. You know, he showed that he could ball. Uh, St. Paul product showed he can ball in that national championship game. So, I mean, I, I'm just sending some big shout outs to those guys. Also, you know, while I was thinking about it, I mean, Walter Payton, Walter Payton, award finalist, the Porter Prukup of Montana State actually transferred to Oregon. So, Oregon to have another graduate transfer from the one double A ranks come in and play. And play right out, right on the bat next year as well. So, and you know, he, this is a kid that could have came out this year and could have been a top draft pick. Also, another another big shout out to North Dakota State quarterback um, Carson Wentz. I mean, what can you say about this kid? <laughs> I mean, first game back since week five, broken wrist. He comes back, puts on a show, over 330 yards passing, a couple touchdowns, throwing a couple touchdowns passing. I mean, he did it all. He's gonna he's showing why he is the number three quarterback of all the quarterbacks coming out of the draft. So, I mean, big shout-outs. You know, just putting the cap on the season. And college football, I'm going to miss you. I'm going to miss you. But – we do have I do have combat sports to fall back on. I do have conference college basketball to fall back on. I do have the NBA to fall back on. So I'm good. I'm good in in that regards. The signing day is going to be fun for me. Spring football is going to be fun for me. So you know, let's just let's just move forward. We got some big time news coming out of the UFC card that was that was just. Announced a couple of weeks ago. I mean, I'm at a, I'm at such a loss of words for this card because this card 
is the best card put together by the UFC in a very long time. Champion versus champion. Conor McGregor is going to go for a second championship, be a dual champion in in two weight classes. He's done it before in in other organizations. He's going to try and do it here in the UFC. It's going to be a tough act to follow. You know, he's going to face, he's going to face, um, Rafael Dos Anjos on March 5th. That's live from MGM Grand Arena. Um, also, also on that card, Holly Holm is going to make her first defense of her Bantamweight Championship as she fights Misha Tate tonight. Um, tonight, the Invita card is tonight. Cyborg is putting her Bantamweight Championship on the line. Um, tonight, tomorrow, <laughs> tomorrow is a, is a pay-per-view quality card that's free. I mean, the UFC is putting together some big-time matchups. And I, 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 for one, am just ready to see what's going to happen tonight with Cyborg, Christine Cyborg, Justino. Um, she puts her, she puts her Invita Women's Bantamweight Championship on the line. Will this be the springboard that everybody's talking about? I mean, could we see if Holly Holm gets past Misha Tate? Let, let's let's think about this here. If Holly Holm gets by Misha Tate on March fifth, Cyborg gets past her fight tonight. The rumor is if Holly Holm was is to win against Misha Tate, her and Ronda Rousey were going to fight at UFC one UFC two hundred. In the new Vegas arena, in, in the new Las Vegas arena, that's not going to happen because Ronda Rousey is going to take some time off. She's going to film Roadhouse, which um, should have started filming this month. Been moved back, so they're going to start filming it uh, in March. So, which doesn't give her a training camp, you know, in time for that fight. So. Let's think about this. Hypothetically speaking, does Cyborg and Holly Holm main event UFC 200, or does a rematch between Conor McGregor and Jose Aldo kind of fit that bill as well? I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of fights that are going to happen in the next few months that's going to decide a lot of things. Tomorrow night is going to decide a lot as well. We're going to talk about tomorrow night's card, right? We're going to talk about tomorrow night's card. This is a, this is a fight that's been at least six, seven months in the making, eight months in the making. Um, T.J. Dillashaw. UFC Bantamweight champion will be making his fourth defense of his championship um, 
I'm sorry, the third defense, third defensive championship um, on this card against against Dominic Cruz. And Dominic Cruz, so many injuries have, have happened to this guy. He's ruptured an ACL. He's ruptured the same ACL twice, uh, both times in training. Tonight and tomorrow night, he finally gets he finally gets what he wants. He finally gets that chance to become the two-time UFC bantamweight champion. He finally gets a chance to to fight for a championship that he never really lost. I mean, let, let's think about this here. I mean, Hanan Burrell was the interim champion. Um, he beat he beat Uriah Faber for that championship. Made several defenses of the interim championship before he was made before he was made the undisputed champion. Made about four defenses of that championship, and then he came in against T.J. Dillashaw. Got beat down not once, got beat down twice, and got finished both times. Um, so. Steps in T.J. Dillashaw, former former guy at Team Alpha Male. This is gonna set up some pretty good matchups. I mean, the back and forth between T.J. Dillashaw and Dominic Cruz have been have been well publicized. Where T.J. or where Dominic has basically come out and said that T.J. hasn't beat anybody. I mean, when you beat Joe Soto and you beat and you beat Hanan Burrell, who hadn't lost in like ten years. You know, you you beat some people. So, um, I don't necessarily agree, but I don't necessarily disagree with what Dominic's saying about T J. And again, this car can be one of those cars that, that has fought that has carded a year written all over it. I mean, we look at the main event, which is TJ Dillashaw, Dominic Cruz, and then you go down to 55, and then you look at what could happen at 55. See, the next few fights in March, this fight tomorrow night has a lot going into it in terms of of the 155 division. Anthony Pettis, no more contender. Eddie Alvarez, number four contender, along with, I mean along with Donald Cerrone and and Rafael Dos Anjos and, and also, you know, you look at a Dan Krutschank who could possibly vault himself into that top 10 conversation if he wins tomorrow night as well. There's so many things that could go on in the next few weeks in terms of matchups, championship matchups that, that could happen. Um, I mean, and you even throw Conor McGregor in that mix. Anthony Pettis, Eddie Alvarez has that feel of title eliminator written all over it because these two guys are probably the elite of elite. Eddie Alvarez has won championships in he's won championships in Bellator, he's won championships in One FC, he's won championship at at Dream. I mean, he's one of those guys on the cusp of being an elite UFC fighter. And he needs a big-time win over Anthony Pettis, former champion, to vault him to that status, to be that next that next guy up. 
so to speak, for the winner of McGregor Dos Anjos. That being said, we're looking at two styles that that's kind of like the Dillashaw Cruz match, where both guys can can take it to the ground, both guys can submit you, both guys like to stand up and like to bang. Anthony Pettis just silky smooth, very technical fighter. Um, changed his changed his game around, took some time off, changed his game around. Um, started training more with Holly Holmes, a uh, wrestling coach, as well. Um, as well as staying in Milwaukee and, and uh, training with Rick Rufus, who, by the way, has CM Punk in his camp as well. So this is a, this is a lot of fun to look at from this standpoint. Eddie Alvarez is a wrestler. Anthony Pettis is a pure out striker who has improved his wrestling somewhat. We will see how well he's improved his wrestling tomorrow night against Eddie Alvarez. Eddie Alvarez, again, he's an animal. And if if you ever watch fights of his, like I have, I've seen him fight Michael Chandler a few times, I mean, those are some of the best fights I, I think I ever saw. But Eddie Alvarez isn't the striker. is the striker that everybody thinks he is. Eddie Alvarez is the all-around fighter that, that, that everybody thinks he is. I mean, everybody respects him for. Anthony Pettis, I mean, he's pulled off some black – he's pulled off beyond black, black belt level jiu-jitsu in some of his matches, especially the match – especially – the the arm bar that he caught on uh <laughs> on Benson Henderson, I mean, which was just a beautiful arm bar. You know, he caught the reverse arm guy, both arms caught, and uh, he hit the verbal tap. So, I mean, Anthony Pettis is smooth on the ground. A.D. Alvarez is smooth on the ground. This is gonna be a fun fight to see. I will. I, I cannot wait for this card tomorrow night. This is actually a card that is actually after, that starts after the wild card playoff game. So you guys are getting getting privy to what should be a <laughs> should be a gigantic free card. I mean, this, this has pay per view quality all over it. I mean, the heavyweight matchup uh, in, in the main card: Travis Brown, Matt Mitchell, Travis Brown was on a five-fight winning streak. And also, we also know that Matt Mitrione was on a bit of a winning streak as well. Um, Travis Brown, as you know, is the boyfriend of Ronda Rousey. Um, and there's a lot of controversy surrounding that whole situation. Um, Travis Brown was actually, is actually technically still married. And he's dating... Um, <laughs> He's dating one Miss Ronda Rousey, so that that's a lot. That's that's a little bit of things to look forward to. Also, another matchup that could have that has top ten implications in in the one fifty five division, the lightweight division. Ross Pearson, Francisco Trinaldo, Ross Pearson trying to come back in, trying to 
get himself back on track after after pretty much an up and down 2015 where he went one and two. Uh, I just I, I like the matchup for for Ross. Trinaldo is a guy who can take you down. He, he's a nice jiu-jitsu practitioner, but he's also got a little bit of punching power to him. He's also got a little bit of He's also has a little bit of, of of a ground game, which is which is a nice ground game to, to say the least. So um, Ross Pearson has punching power. That's gonna be a styles class in that fight. But just really excited about this card, about this card as a whole, the main card as a whole. All four matches on this card, just pay per view quality. Period. I mean, you look at. The preliminary card, <laughs> Tim Bosch and Ed Herman. I mean, Tim Bosch is a kid who is a guy who was on the cusp of getting a title shot until he lost, until he lost to um, to Ryan Bader. Ed Herman has been around so long. He's fought at he's fought at welterweight. He's fought at middleweight. He's fought at, now he's fighting at like heavyweight. Um, so I mean, like Ed Herman is one of those guys who just who just loves to fight. Even on the fight pass card, Dan Cruikshank, you know, again, he's he's on the cusp of being a top ten fighter, but also he can jump himself into that top five conversation as well. You know, he had a he had a a pretty much down year as well. You know, he lost he lost a couple of fights in, in 2015 as well, but. At the same time, I mean, you look at you look at this card top to bottom. This week, you look at the card in a couple of weeks, the Fox card. I mean, again, another. I mean, we'll talk about this one in in a couple of weeks. But you know, you look at this card and you look at you look at what's going to happen on on January thirtieth. I mean, the, the the these cards back to back to back, and also the Super Saturday card. I mean. From this week until March 5th, the UFC has got some great cards. Some that are going to be free, others that are going to be paper. These cards are pay-per-view quality cards. That some of these, I mean, two of these, two four, four of these cards are pay-per-view quality cards that you will be seeing free. On either Fox or Fox Sports One. So, if you're not a fan of the fight game like I am, this really, you know, it really, this is really one of those times where you watch it, you see it, you will love it. And that's my that's my thing. That's what I want. That's what I want to preach to everybody. You know, I'm not just a college football guy. I I love college football. I love. I love football as a whole, but the fight game, I've been around it since I was 15 from the beginning, pretty much. So I, I know the ins and outs of the fight game, of, of, of the cage. And it's, it's not, I mean, it's just like a football game. It's just like anything else. There's a lot of strategy involved. So I mean I just I just want you guys to open up your eyes a little bit and and take take it in either as a fan or as someone who just 
loves to talk about the technical side of it. You know, so, you know, with that being said, we'll move on from the UFC. We'll jump over to boxing now. And, and I mean, this is for myself. I am so excited for this card as a whole. Deontay Wilder puts up his WBC heavyweight championship against Arthur Zapilka, Zapilka um, Austrian fighter, who's 21 and 0, 15 knockouts, 21 and 1, 20 and 1, I'm sorry, 15 knockouts against a guy like Deontay Wilder, who started his career, 32 wins, 32 knockouts. Um, what can you say about this kid? He's a Tuscaloosa. He's from he's from the city of Tuscaloosa. Um, graduated from from Central Tuscaloosa High School. Made made the first defense of his heavyweight championship in Birmingham at the BJCC. Put himself on the map when he beat Bermain Stavern. You know, for that for that championship, and in the way that he's fighting here lately, I mean, six seven, punching power personified, and this kid can go. Uh, I love the I, I love to see what could happen, what's going to happen in this fight. Punching power for Sublika is just he's 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 the mandatory for for Deontay Wilder, but. Here, here's here's the kicker to it. Deontay Wilder is setting himself up for one of the one of the biggest fights that you will that you will see in a very very long time, and it, it, it's gonna happen. It's gonna ha- if he wins this fight, he's gonna fight. The winner, Klitschko Fury, at the end of the year. That's just that simple. Okay. And he's also said he wants to fight Tyson Fury no matter what the deal is. So, I mean, you look at you look at what's going to happen tonight. You know, you got David Hay fighting. David Hay's fighting tonight as well. I mean... There's so many good fights that are about to happen. As I've said, Terrence Crawford is going to fight. Um, is going to fight on uh, in in uh, February. So I mean, it's just it's so it's so different from what what you're going to see. I mean, David Hay, 35 years old, you know. I mean, I'm just, I'm just, I'm really just ready to see what what's gonna happen with David Hay when he fights Mark Demore tonight, the Australian fighter. Um, it's going, it's a, it's a fun, it's a it's somewhat a fun night to see. You're gonna see him come out. You're gonna see him. Uh, do his thing. He's fighting in London tonight. You know, 
Um, that card, you're going to see that fight. I think that fight is going to be on Showtime as well. It's going to be tape delay. But um, he is, he is, you know, right now, I, I love what he's doing. He's coming back. Does he put himself, I mean, myself, my, my thing is, does he put himself in back into that conversation for the heavyweight championship with this one fight? My answer is no, but I would not be surprised if the WBA, WBO, the IBF, or even the, even the WBC makes him a mandatory for either Deontay Wilder or a Tyson Fury, who is the lineal champion. He is also holding the WBA championship. I mean, the WBA championship is still, I mean, I don't even know who has the WBA championship at this point, but I'm pretty sure that it, that it was that everybody, um, that Tyson Fury has the WBA championship as well. So, I mean, I'm looking at this. I'm looking at this right now, and will I mean? I think that it's possible that David Hay will become a mandatory for one of those two guys. But what's going to happen first? Will the winner of Klitschko Fury fight Deontay Wilder if Deontay Wilder gets past this fight tonight? Will David Hay push himself to be to get another tune-up fight and then try to fight the winner of Klitschko and Wilder, you know, Wilder versus the winner of Klitschko Fury? Will he try to will he try to ease his way into that conversation, or got other guys who who, who could who could be on this card and and gonna do some big things? Um, which I, I'm I'm so ready to see what what else could happen. Anthony Joshua is another kid that comes to mind um, that could just possibly be I mean be in that conversation. I mean it, it it's so different. I mean he's a British fighter as well. I mean there's so many different fights. That could happen um, in the next few months. That that we 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 aren't we are going to be privy to see whether they're pay per view quality cards, which you know this fight with all these fights are, um, I mean it's, it's just I'm so excited to see Deontay Wilder fight tonight because. I'm gonna see if he can finish this if he can finish this fight the way that he did his last fight. I wanna see what kind of what kind of style he's gonna come out with. Is he gonna come out with that jackhammer jab and then come across with the big right hand or throw that big left hook that he has? I mean, there's just it, it, there's so many intangibles in this fight. Zaplica has to come in he has to establish his jab. He has to establish his his right hand. He has a big time right hand, and he's 
He's a really good fighter. I mean, he he's really he's a really good fighter, and that's one of the things about this fight as opposed to two other fights that you've seen Deontay Wilder in, uh, where he's got tagged a few times. He's gotten he's gotten uh, really gotten everything that he wanted out of this fight. You know, out of this fight. I mean, Deontay Wilder. We look at it from this standpoint. I mean, he's got the big, he's got the big right hand, but can he drop? Can he drop Zaplica with that one big right hand? I think he can. I really think he can. But you know, you look at some of these other, some of these other fights that are coming up. You know, we'll be talking about these fights in the next few months, but. um you know, Scott Quigg, Carl Frampton, that's going to be a great fight. So that's a title unification as well. Um, <laughs> I mean, I mean, does that does that bring in? I mean, at one thirty, that's a big fight. <laughs> Let, let's think about what we're, what we're saying here. Scott Quigg and Carl Frampton. Probably Britain's best two fighters at the lower weight classes. You're fighting a Cuban. I mean, the winner of this fight is probably going to end up fighting Guillermo Rigando, who is, is big time. He's a Cuban fighter with big time with, with big time stats, everything. This also sets up, you know, possibility of Terence Crawford coming back down to 35, or you know, him standing at 40. I'm sorry, him going to, him going up to 35 and fighting these guys or going back to 40, going up to 40, just jumping two-way class and going up to 40 and fighting, or staying at 30 and, and fighting and fighting some big-time guys there. I mean, this, this has so much it, it's so much emphasis involved in it. The Bantamweight division, from the junior Bantamweights to the super Bantamweights, I mean, from 20, from 20 to from 30 to 40, <laughs> I mean, there's so much. There's so many implications and so many fights that could happen in the next few weeks and months. That I mean, you'll hear you'll hear it here on the Tailgate Crew, and you'll you'll hear it first from me. <laughs> so there's a lot, like I said, there's a lot of things that's going to be happening right now, and I'm very excited about 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 boxing. You know, it's become it's, it's, it's got a renaissance coming back to him. You know, I haven't been this excited about boxing since the, since the late '90s when I was in high school. You know, back in the days of Nigel Benn and Chris Eubank, um, <laughs> um, Roy Jones Jr. and Bernard Hopkins when when he was at middleweight. You know, when he was in his infancy, as opposed to in his, I don't even want to. Say his old age because the guy's a freaking animal. So um, I'm just so excited. I'm just excited about the about combat sports as a whole. But we're gonna take a quick station break. We'll be right back. We're gonna get you know jump into some. We're gonna jump into the NFL divisional playoffs and also talk a little bit of college basketball before we get off the air. So. We're going to take a quick station break. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Press Box and the Tailgate Crew. My name is Jermaine. Let's jump into some NFL playoff action now. And today's games are going to be real. I mean, today's games are kind of fun to think about. But before we even jump into that, we're going to – I want to – I want to send out a special congratulations to both Dirk Trotter and and Ben McAdoo. Ben McAdoo has been an NFL assistant coach for the last 10, 12 years now. Uh, Dirk Trotter um, was the offense coordinator at at the Atlanta Falcons and um, actually, actually incorporated that, that uh, offense, that the Falcons sort of still use as of right now. Um, I'm excited for the hires for them. Ben McAdoo getting a promotion with the with the Giants. Dirk Cutter getting a promotion, getting um, a chance to be a head coach in the NFL finally. Um, but my 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 thing is is this with Dirk Cutter. He had such a great time at at Boise State. He went to Arizona State, did not quite cut it. Goes to the Falcons, had a great offense there. Couldn't win a couldn't win a playoff game. Now, the question is, now is now that he's a head football coach, will he become the coach? That everybody expects him to be at Tampa Bay. My question, my answer is yes. I mean, you have the personnel. You got. I mean, you have the personnel to. To be a great, to be a great club. Um, you have a, you have a franchise quarterback with James Winston. You have two great receivers. Mike Evans is is a guy who's who's going to. Be a baller. Uh, Doug Martin, the muscle hamster, still running the ball, still getting his thousand yards. Question is, is is this team ready to make the next step? Honestly, I thought they were ready to make the next step next year under under Lovey Smith, but the Glazer family thought different. So I I, I will say this. I think that they will make steps because Dirk Cutter is going to make steps for them. Going to make them take steps. This this is a big this it's not going to be baby steps. It's going to be real big steps next season. I expect I expect Tampa Bay to win nine ten games next year, but that's next year. We'll talk about next year when it comes. Same thing Ben McAdoo. With Eli Manning, with Eli Manning under his wing, you've seen Eli Manning's career stats grow from season to season. His season stats grow from season to season since he's been under Ben McAdoo in this offense. So these are good hires. These are great hires. These are probably the two, the two really good hires of the offseason. I I don't like the Chip Kelly hire at. At San Francisco, I think Jed York is reaching, but that's just me. Enough with enough with that. 
But shuffle to the playoffs now. And, and the four thirty five game, the CBS game. I I like this game because this game is probably the most evenly matched games of all the divisional games, aside from Seattle Carolina, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Patriots and Chiefs. They kind of mirror each other in a way. They like the, they like that power running game. They both like the power running game. They both, you know, they like the power run. But the difference is is the quarterback play. We know what you know what you're gonna get week in week out from Tom Brady. We know that he's gonna get he's gonna, he's gonna get Gronk the ball. But with Gronk being Less than 100% with the knee and the back issue. Is is the Patriots starting to show their frailties? I mean, I don't want to say it in that in that way, simply because you don't know what you're gonna get from the Patriots. I mean, they've had a week off, um, so you you know what you know they're they're rested. You know they have had a couple. You know they've had a, a week off, and then they had a couple hard days of practice last this past week. But will the Patriots rise to the occasion like they normally do in playoff time, especially against a Chiefs team that is just they are the hottest team in the NFL. Let's not let's not. <laughs> Excuse me. Let's not discount this. I mean, eleven straight wins, ten to end the season. You know, you win last week. You shut out. You pretty much just beat down. <laughs> I mean, you pretty much beat down the Texans last week with a great with, with a great offense, with a great defense. And then offense that just that just couldn't be stopped. So, will this be a repeat of will, will Kansas City repeat what they've done, what they did against Houston? No, absolutely not. But can this thing, can this game be as competitive as? As the game last last week with the Bengals and the and the Steelers, probably not as volatile, but this game can be really competitive if if it gets that way. And and this game can get really competitive, you know, if if Kansas City can keep this game close. It's a be competitive all the way through, but if New England gets that momentum, they get they get one turnover, two turnovers. They get the momentum going defensively as well as offensively. This could have blowout implications all over it. It really could. And the reason why I say it could is because New England, when when they're on their own, they don't care about anybody. They don't care who's in their way or who's in their path. At any point, so I like New England in this in this matchup because of that. Alex Smith looking real good. I mean, and then the two running backs that they have for Kansas City. I mean, 
they've made up, they've more than made up for the loss of Jamal Charles. Uh, Jeremy Macklin is doing, doing just, uh, doing immaculate, you know, as great a job as you can do. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm enjoying these playoffs as opposed to last year and the year before where it just seemed so melodramatic. Like, you already knew what was going to happen, you know? So, I think when you look at it from that standpoint, this this this, this is evenly matched, you know, evenly matched game. I mean, love the matchup. I really do. I love this matchup. And, I mean, I, I, I'm not a Patriots fan by any means. I mean, everybody knows this. I am not a Patriots fan. I probably like the Patriots more so than I like than I probably like the Patriots more so than I than I hate. I, I, let me rephrase. I probably like the Fal. I probably like the Falcons more so than I like the Patriots. Let's just let's just put it that way. But I like New England to win this game because New England has experience. They've got the swag, and they're the defending champions. So you you can't really go against conventional wisdom and say, hey, you know, the Patriots don't deserve to be where they are right now, but they do. And for the seventh straight year, they've been they're either the one or two seed, and they had a they had a week off. So you know, you got to go with the Patriots. Do I think that this game will be close? has potential to be, but can New England can New England beat down the Chiefs? Yeah, probably. But if the Chiefs play within themselves and do the things they need to do offensively and defensively, get get the pass rush from Tom Ali and Justin Houston. This game can be close closer than people expect. But I, I like I like the Patriots. I wanna say two touchdowns. I would like to say two touchdowns, but I, I would like to say two touchdowns, but I think it'll be more. So I, I mean I'm just, I'm gonna go with a minimum two touchdown win for, for the Patriots. But don't count on Andy Reid and, and, and that and that team. So, you know, just stay tuned for that game. I I think that would be the game to watch. Now Moving on to tonight's game, um, Green Bay and Arizona. I mean, I'll, I'll probably watch this game for probably about an hour, 45 minutes. Probably watch it to halftime, then I'm going to watch the Deontay Wilder fight. I'm going to watch the David Hay fight. Um, I'm going to watch those two fights. And uh, probably and probably end up watching the Invicta card, too, as well. You know, going back and forth. You know, I'll be watching on a couple of different platforms tonight, so – I have a lot. Of, I have a lot of things going on in the platform, and I'm, I'm also going to going to be cooking me some food tonight, so that way, you know, I can just sit down and just watch and have fun. But beyond the point, I regress. My bad. Green Bay, Arizona. Is this the last stand for Larry Fitzgerald? Is this the last stand for Carson Palmer? You know the two veteran guys. Um, is is this 
is this is this the Packers' time? I mean, are they finally coming back into being their own after that after that that win last week? You know, I didn't think that that the Packers had a chance to win. I mean, I, I thought that the Redskins had momentum going into the, the game. I thought they would carry that momentum into into last week, and they didn't. They actually they actually bit the bullet, and the bullet boomeranged on them and shot them shot themselves in the foot. So, um, with this game. I mean, you almost have to say that Eddie Lacy has to be the key in this game because if when you get Eddie Lacy involved into your into your offense, or you get any of the running backs that Green Bay has involved in the offense, whether it be Randall Cobb, whether it be James Tars, whether it be Eddie Lacy, you set up the potential for. You set up the potential to get exposed um, on the, in, the, in the defensive backfield. I mean, there's no Tyron, there's no Tyron Matthew who is out, who's out with with another torn ACL. You have Patrick Peterson. You have you have great secondary minus Tyron Matthew who they lost later in the season. So, I mean, they had a veteran guy behind them. So, I, from that standpoint, I think when you when you look at the Arizona Cardinals in, in that game from week 16 to now, you're going to see something totally different. Um, you're going to see a more focused, a more healthy Packers Packers offensive line. You're gonna see. You're gonna see this something different about the Packers that you didn't see in Week 16. So this is almost like a new game, like they've never seen each other before. If you if you look at it from that standpoint, you're gonna see a lot of you're gonna see a lot of different coverages. You're gonna see a lot of different things from from Green Bay that you didn't see in Week 16. You're gonna see a a lot of different things offensively from from Arizona that you didn't see in Week 16. You see a lot of things defensively that you didn't see in Week 16. I mean, this is this is one of those games that you almost have to sit and watch the plot twist in and out. I mean, there's gonna be plot twist galore, and that this is again this is one of those games that you just you're just gonna have fun watching. I mean. I mean, it, it's gonna it's gonna be a fun game to watch. But I mean, I want to go with the home team with this out because I love I love Larry Fitzgerald. I think the world of his game. I think I think the world of him. You know, I like I like the defense, Patrick Peterson, and that whole bunch. It's hard to pick against Green Bay, and it's hard, and it's hard for me to say that because I picked against them last week, and it came back and it bit me. 
if I pick against them this week, then they'll be sure enough going to blow out Arizona. So, I, I almost just want to just pick Green Bay, you know, by a field goal, by a touchdown. I mean, something close because if, if you win and Green Bay wins, I mean, you're going to have a lights-out game from from Randall Cobb. You're going to have a lights-out game from from Eddie Lacy. I mean, since you don't have a Jordy Nelson, you got to get Eddie Lacy the ball. You got to get Randall Cobb the ball. You got to get you got to get the tight ends the ball. So, I mean, I, I really want I really want to see Green Bay, you know, look the way that they look. I mean, I don't really like the fact that Green Bay is is even in this situation right now. But as good as this game could be, the better this game – I mean, as good as this game can be, the better the game can be. I mean, if that makes any sense. So, I actually – I actually like Green Bay in this game. I mean, I like Green Bay – by, I mean, I like Green Bay by a touchdown, but do not discount the Arizona Cardinals at all because I just I just think that Arizona just got something to prove and they want to play in Super Bowl. I mean, they've got the team finally to make it to a Super Bowl. Um, so I mean, just just gotta have just gotta have fun. But jumping to Sunday and. Sunday is one of those Sunday Sunday is one of those days where I, I like to clean up and I like to chill. You know, watch Bar Rescue from time to time. <laughs> and not worry about the NFL as much. But tomorrow is just a it's just a whole other animal. I wanna see if the Carolina Panthers can keep up with what they're doing right now. Luke Keekley in that in that offense in that defense. Cam Newton, Jonathan Stewart, Greg Olson, and that and that offense for Carolina against the Legion of Boom, Russell Wilson, Jimmy Jimmy I mean Jimmy Graham and those guys. You know Jermaine Curse, those guys and, and, and with a healthy Marshawn Lynch, who says he's going to play in this game, and I think he will play in this game. I, I actually think he will play. He did make the trip. So, whereas he didn't make the trip last week because he didn't feel ready. And a guy knows his body. So, so I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, now that he's back, you know, the power running game with he and the other running backs, you know, this, this could be a really good match. This could be a really, really good matchup, both offensively and defensively. You know, Cam Newton's going is going to run is going to run a little bit. You know, Cam you know Cam's going to throw the ball a little bit. His that receivers all over the, all over the field, all over the park. It's just very sad that you don't have the Kelvin Benjamin 
out there on the field. I mean, he was lost early in the season, but at the same time, I mean, you you wish that you could see him on the field and see what kind of and see what kind of extra he will give you. You know, give you extra height. You know, with the jump balls and things of that nature. So, I love Carolina in this matchup, but you can't discount a team who's been there and who's been there before and has won two state NFC championships, who's won a Super Bowl. You can't discount what Russell Wilson has done. You can't discount either one of these quarterbacks and what they've done. You can't discount the running games that either one of these guys have. You can't discount either of the defenses that these that these teams have. It's just really, really exciting to see what's going to happen in the next few weeks, next few months, in the next few weeks. Championship Sunday next week and Super Bowl Sunday in the next couple of weeks. It's going to be very exciting to see what's going to happen if Seattle wins or if Carolina wins because I honestly think that the winner of this game and the winner of the other Sunday game, which we'll talk about in just a few minutes, I think Either one of the winners of these two games that are coming up tomorrow will win the Super will be in the Super Bowl and one of those teams will win the Super Bowl. I, I'm gonna put it there just like that. I mean these are, this is a pick 'em game for me because you won't I won't I can't pick against Carolina. But seeing what they've done in the last two Two years or so. Same they've done in the last two years or so. Two state NFC South Championships. Fifteen and one this season. Cam Newton's finally got his breakout year. Carolina's playing complete now. I, I just It's so hard to pick against you know, to pick against either one of these teams. This is a pick 'em game because these this this is the other game that is very evenly matched defensively, offensively. But it's going to come down to the quarterback to to the play of excuse me, not just the play of the players on the field. Excuse me, but it's going to come down to the play calling from the offensive coordinators. So in this respect in, in in this in this game, even though you see Seattle finish the season ten and six, whatever, and Carolina finishing fifteen and one, just because you know just because of the records, you still can't pick against either one of them. And I, I won't pick against either one of them. So, I'm going to say this. The winner of Seattle, Carolina, will be the NFC representative in the, in the Super Bowl, point blank, period. 
Cam Newton will be the MVP. We do know this. That's that's a given. And if he's not unanimous, just like Ken Griffey Jr. was not unanimous in <laughs> in getting that vote in, into Cooperstown, those fools are cynics. No said. But I will say, like again, I will say the winner of Seattle, Carolina, will be the representative for Super Bowl Fifty, and that's going to be my final say on that game. Now, we look at Pittsburgh and Denver. We all know that Pittsburgh is out. That Pittsburgh is going to be without Antonio Brown, but. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna go back to next week, to last week, with with the Pittsburgh Steelers. They got lucky, and they got lucky, and, I, and I'm gonna tell you why they got lucky and why I think they got lucky. Because one, there should have been offsetting personal fouls because Joey Porter shouldn't have been on the field. The 15 yard penalty that. <laughs> the 15-yard penalty that Adam Jones got would have been wiped out. Let's put it that way. Instead of a 30, instead of a 36-yard field goal, that should have been a 51-yard field goal. I, I, I am not a Cincinnati Bengals fan by by any means, but when you throw away a great game that AJ McCann had because of stupidity of a of a coach and stupidity of two players in that game, Vontez Burfecht and Adam Jones. Yes. Yes, the Bengals lost that game. But the reason why they lost that game is because they let the game get bigger than them. Instead of just playing within themselves and playing like, like, like an A.J. McCarron played, which was just absolutely lights out, without fail, with confidence, with a little swag about them. I mean, now you know that the Bengals have two quarterbacks on their roster that, that can that can ball. And we know this. Once it's established, that hasn't won a playoff game yet. And the other, it's the up-and-comer that's going to establish himself in the NFL very soon. And it's just sad that they threw away a great game and Vontez Burfitt threw away two great plays. I mean, one, getting that sack on Ben Roethlisberger and two, getting that interception. But, you know, that doesn't discount what the Pittsburgh Steelers have done. You know, but, you know, there I digress again. I just, I had to get it out of my system because there's just so much, so many intangibles involved in this game. We all know that that Denver snuck into into that <laughs> into that that number one position um, in the AFC. I mean, well, let let me rephrase. We all know that New England gave away that that number one home field throughout position in the playoffs. But this is the kicker to this. You have a quarterback who 
is not a cold weather quarterback. And <laughs> we're playing in a cold weather game. But you put your you put all your beans in a basket with this guy. What are you doing? Okay, I mean, I understand that Brock Osweiler isn't ready for the big time just yet. And he's not ready for the big time just yet. But he's shown what he can do when given an opportunity to perform at the big time level. But is he ready? No. But is but is is Peyton Manning really the answer to your to your playoff <laughs> your playoff ones? <laughs> Needless to say I'm gonna go with Pittsburgh on this game. But I, I mean I None of that. I like Ben Roethlisberger in a cold weather game anyway. I like Ben Roethlisberger, period. Because he's going to be, he, he's hurt. He's still going to play regardless. Because you, there's no one else to go to. <coughs> Landry Jones isn't ready. We clearly saw that last week. You don't have a viable backup. I mean, Landry Jones got you, in, got you some help in, in the play, in the way that he played during the season, yes, but is he ready for the big time? It, it's, not one of the backups are ready for the big time. So you have to play two hurt quarterbacks, and one hurt quarterback is actually got a hurt throwing shoulder, but I would rather pick the one with the hurt shoulder over the one who isn't a cold-weather quarterback. Let's face it. Peyton Manning cannot win in cold weather. He's proven that to you time and time again. Where when he's played in he's played in the snow in in in, in, in New England. He's played in the snow in, in Denver. He's played in the snow in <laughs> I mean, he's played in the snow in Green Bay and couldn't win those games. I mean, that was in the regular season. So what what makes you think that he's going to step up to the occasion and win a cold weather game against the Steelers with that kind of defense that the Steelers run, where they like to just come after you and slap you in the face. I just don't see that happening. I I, I can't possibly fathom Peyton Manning winning a game, even though it's a home game and they're the number one seed in the AFC throughout the playoffs. I I really, 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 really wonder what John Elway was thinking. Will he go get a guy like Carson Wentz? Will he go get a guy? I mean, will he get a will he get a quarterback of the future this in this draft? I don't know. But Peyton Manning is I don't wanna say he's donezo because I, I don't think he is, but I don't wanna say I don't think that he's okay let me say this the only way that Denver will win this game is if they hand the ball off to they give the ball to Hillman uh, 
at least 20 times. You've got to run the ball. You've got to. I mean, there's no doubt about it. You've got to run the ball. But we all know that you're going to put the ball up 30, 40 times. And for what? He can't make the deep throw right. He can't make the deep throw anymore. He hasn't been able to make this deep throw in two years. So you got to be smart with him. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna do anything, Peyton Manning, you got to get him the mid the, the mid range shots down the field. You got to get him. Got to get a tight end that's gonna catch the ball. You got you got to do something. You got to do something to get running Hillman off and get and get Peyton Manning time because if you don't run the ball as much as you should, you're gonna get burnt. You're gonna get beat up. You're gonna it's gonna hurt you in the end. So. That's what Denver has to do. Pittsburgh, they have to give the ball off to Le'Veon Bell. They have to give it off to the other running back. They got to get the ball into receivers' hands. They got to get the ball in Heath Miller's hands. They've got to. They're going to have to throw the ball, but they're not going to have to throw the ball nowhere near as much as what Denver's got to do because Pittsburgh's got two running backs that will run the ball, and if you give the ball to Ronnie Hillman. For Denver, then maybe you might have a chance to win this game. You can't put the ball in the sheriff's hands every game, every day, every, all game long t- tomorrow. You just can't. But with that being said, I think Pittsburgh will win this game. But they're going to win this game simply because They're gonna run the ball more. They're gonna they're gonna have possession of the ball more because they're gonna they're gonna take the time to run the ball and be methodical going down the field. They might get in a little tempo because Tomlin's got a little bit of an ego and he will go tempo every once in a while. So let, let's just put it this way: Pittsburgh wins by play calling and running the ball. Denver wins this game if they get the ball out of Peyton's hands and get that short passing game going and also get the running game going. With a good running game to complement Peyton Manning, you see Peyton Manning's numbers go up. And that that's statistically proven. So if Gary Kubiak is smart, if that if the offensive coordinator is smart, if John Elway is smart, I would say I mean my advice to John Elway is to get into his and get into his coordinator and his head coach's mind that hey, if we run the dang ball, we run the dang ball, that opens up Peyton to do a lot of things with his arm. And that means we win the ball game. Period. Point blank. Uh, I mean, I don't think I'm wrong in this. I don't. I mean, I don't think I'm wrong in this. I, I don't. I mean, if you think about it, and you think of how pedestrian, how pedestrian of a year that Peyton's had this year, you know, interception wise. I mean, if you had to, if you had the rusher to go with it, yes. Yes and yes. So, run the dang ball. Run the ball. 
but ego is going to be too much. So uh, I'm going to go with Pittsburgh. Uh, I say Pittsburgh by a touchdown. I mean, this game's got a little bit. I mean, this game's got a little bit more to it than than people think, and that that's the thing. You will see Brock Osweiler in this game, some somewhere in this game. You, I mean, it's going to happen. You're going to see Landry Jones in this game somewhere because Dan, Danny Trevathan is going to get a hit on 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 Ben. It's going to not Ben out of the game for a couple of seasons. He's going to come back like he did against uh, he did against Cle- uh, Cleveland. That's another story. Um, that's another story for another day. But, you know, but, yeah, I mean, let's just recap here. You know, I think, let's see, New York, New England's going to win, going to beat Kansas City. Green Bay's going to beat Arizona. You know, Seattle, Carolina is a, is a, is a pick em game where I say the winner of this game will make, will be the NFC representative in, in the Super Bowl. And, I like Pittsburgh over the Broncos. I mean, I just do. I mean, I, I don't think the sheriff has, has enough has enough bullets in his gun anymore. Just, I mean, that's what I said there. <laughs> you know, so I put the little, yeah, that's a bad pun. Sorry, but <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sorry. I, I I digress again, but we're gonna take a quick session break. We'll be right back. We're gonna jump into some. We're gonna jump into some college basketball before we get out of here, and <laughs> and everything. So stay tuned. Block Top Radio, Bye Bye Terrence Network. You know who it is.
Welcome back to the Press Box and the Tailgate Crew. My name is Jermaine. Thanks for being a part of the show. Thanks for being a part of the Now by Tanks Network. So, we're going to jump into some, some college basketball before we get out of here. And, and this college basketball season has just I, – I, I don't even know what to even think about this college, about this college basketball season as, as a whole as of right now. I mean, there's been so many upsets, so many different – I mean, just upsets galore. And games that that have so many different locations involved with it that I don't even know – I mean, I, I can't even – Put it into words of how interesting this season's been. Um, I mean, you look at it. Look at it this way: you had the one, two, and three teams go down in. In the same day, within 30 minutes of each other. Okay. Duke loses to Clemson. No. Duke loses to Clemson. (laughs) At Clemson. Which hadn't been done in, in, in a long time. Um. I mean, Michigan State gets swept by Iowa. And, I mean, I don't even, I mean, this, this is, this is, I, I can't even put into words of how crazy this season is and how it is at the same time. I mean, let, 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 let's think about let's think about what we're talking about here. There's been some great things going on in college basketball. You know, great hires. Shocker Smart going from VCU to Texas. You know, some great stories over the last couple of years. You know, Butler making it to two Final Fours and two straight championship games before losing. Kentucky, you know, undefeated two of the last three years and losing out either in the final four or the Elite Eight. Um, this year, I mean, a little bit of a – it's not a down year by any means. It could be made better if some of these kids could stay in school two, three years instead of coming out after one. I mean, that's just that's – just, it's crazy. I mean, I think I think that that same rule should apply. I think that same rule should apply to basketball as it does to football, where you have to wait three years before you can get drafted. I mean, it happens in baseball as well. So, I mean. I mean, you have that one year where you get drafted and then you don't go. You you have to stay 
until after your junior year. So, I mean, that's the way that they – I know baseball is a little different. I know football is a little different. But basketball, I mean, you don't get the best out of the players. I mean, because they go and they try to make all this money, and then they're out of the league within a year. Or they're going to Europe and playing over there and, and bouncing around from team to team to team over there. So, you know, there's no stability in that. So, yeah, I mean, that's why I think that – that's why I think that, that yes, the, the basketball, you know, basketball needs to follow football. I think it should be uniform, actually. But that's just me, and no, I'm just I'm just a fan, you know. I'm you know I'm just a fan. But you know, to, today's games, I mean, I just I'm very excited. I mean, West Virginia, Oklahoma. We know West Virginia. We know West Virginia beat um, beat Kansas on Monday. They play Oklahoma, which you know, Oklahoma the consensus number one. Um, they had a hard fought victory against um against Oklahoma State a couple of days uh on Wednesday night in, in the Bedlam series. I mean West Virginia, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Texas. I mean <laughs> some great games. BYU Portland in, in the West Coast Conference showdown. Um Florida Ole Miss, which is going to be which is always a great game. Gonzaga Oral Roberts, Gonzaga Gonzaga is a little down this year. They lost to BYU um, Wednesday night. Northwestern Northwestern plays, so I think they play tomorrow. But you know the usual suspects in in this game, you know this week, it's just so many good things and. You know, SMU, they, SMU, um, they don't play again until Monday, I, I believe. But, or tomorrow, tomorrow, Monday, or something like that. I, I can't, I can't remember. But, you know, looking forward to the future schedule, to the future part of the schedule. And thinking about some of the things like, like what's going to happen in February, you know, where people are going to have these games, ESPN is dubbing it. Um, I forget what they said it is this year. Um, <laughs> they it's a showcase of games. I mean, that's that's pretty much what it is. I mean, it's going to be a showcase of NCAA tournament teams who are going to be. <laughs> pretty much setting themselves up for rankings, uh, whether, you know, rankings or getting selected for a tournament. I mean, one of the games is coming up February 13th, February 17th, I think. I, I can't remember the date. But SMU plays Gonzaga in at Gonzaga. It's a 10 o'clock game. So, I'm on ESPN, too. Um, I'm looking forward to watching that game because of – the tournament implications that it's going to have on it. And let's just, I mean, that 
I'm such a I'm I'm at such a uh, such a frenzy and such a loss for words that I don't even know what to say about it because it's that this is gonna be that good. I mean, I know I have I know I have a few more moments here, but it's gonna be that good, man. I mean, that good. I mean, you look at Syracuse and Duke on Monday. I mean. Syracuse Duke on Monday tonight today one o'clock game. Um, Duke plays Notre Dame. I mean VCU in Richmond. I mean battle of the battle of the Bay. I mean Nebraska Illinois. I mean Nebraska starting to show show what what they can do. I mean Illinois. You know they're kind of rebuilding a little bit. Kentucky plays Auburn. Uh, Iowa State, Kansas State. Iowa State lost this past week. Kansas State is is, is trending upwards. Mississippi State's looking good. Tennessee's looking good. You have all these different squads that, I mean, Arizona State, which is probably going to be probably one of the best games out of Pac-10 today. Um, I mean, San Diego is going to be good. I mean, what can you say? What can you say about what can you say about college football that hasn't been said before? I mean, college basketball that hasn't been said before. I mean, you you cannot go wrong with college basketball. College basketball is so pure, so fun to watch. I mean, you watch these different fans. I mean, my. My favorite fans are the Cameron Crazies, and everybody knows this. I'm a Duke fan. Let's go beat North Carolina tonight. But before we get out, before I get out of here, man, I want to give a special thanks to my mom, my dad, my family, the Live by Terrence Network. We're going big, dude. 2016 is our year. Um, my admin, Wendy, T-Rex, DJ EA, you know, Casey, <laughs> all the kids. I mean, Casey, TJ, um, <laughs> TJ, Deontay, Valencia, Tate, Cameron, Jamil, Michael, Justin, everybody that's involved with the Live by Terrence Network, everybody's involved in every aspect of our family, that's aspect of our life. Thank you for being a part of the show. Thank you for being a part of part of my life. Making this making this a change. I mean, the Live by Chance Network is a movement. I understand this. This is a movement. This is what we do. We love doing what we do, and we love being a part of everything that is music, entertainment, sports related. And we just want to show our love for sports and entertainment to everybody. So, with that being said. I just want to thank everybody involved with, again, everybody that's involved with the Live by Tennis Network, Connor Cassidy, you know, everybody involved. So with that, y'all have a good night. Have a good weekend. Go support your team. You know, watch some, whatever sports you're involved in or whatever is, whatever social entertainment that you love, be a part of it. And, Let's go tailgating.
Have a good weekend, everybody. Blue. What? War Eagle. 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 War Eag